about three years ago, uh, our oldest son, Dana and I, my, my wife is Dana Street, in case you don't know who she is, and oversees Bellevue Women. Um, our oldest son gave us an anniversary present. It was totally unexpected. It, it's not a grandchild or anything. It, well, but I've got to finish my sentence. It was totally unexpected, and once he gave it to us, it was one of, oh, I wish you hadn't have done that. I really don't want this present. And it wasn't a dog. You say, what was it? He bought us a six-month membership to a CrossFit gym. So you know what CrossFit is. It is in case you don't, it's a place you go work out. But... Now, I don't mean just work out as far as you lifting some weights. You, you, you just do all kinds of things uh, at this. And Dane and I both just kind of smiled. He said, just give it a try. Okay, six-month membership. He said, if you don't want to go back, you know, you don't have to, but just give it a try. I go, okay, thank you. And uh, so we go heading out to it. And uh, when, as you know, CrossFit, it's, it's, it's weights, but it's all kinds of other things. I mean, words I didn't even know. I mean, it is, uh, it is, it is kettlebells, and it's not like ice cream or, or popcorn or anything. It's totally different. Uh, it's kettlebells, there are, are uh, wall balls, there are slam balls, there are crunches, there are planks, and those aren't things, right? Those are all exercises that you do. Um, and so we went to, into it. I see you shaking your head. That's the way we were too. I mean, I, I'm, I'm 66. I was 63 at the time. And my wife's a lot younger. So anyway, we won't get into all of that. But uh, so anyway, we did that. It was totally intimidating uh, for, for all kinds of reasons. Number one, you go into it the language they speak. And they were talking about, uh, uh, I don't even know if I can, but one of them was imams. Okay, we're going to do, this is an imam. What is an imam? Uh, Hang on, I I forgot what an imam is. Oh, every minute on the minute. This is an exercise we're doing every minute on the minute. Uh, Another one was AMRAB. Okay, this is an AMRAB. What is an AMRAB? As many repetitions as possible. So anyway, you're going in, they're speaking another language. It is, it's, it is, I don't know what the word is, almost embarrassing, somewhat. So, I mean, I can remember being in high school and even in college, and you know, you're just in good shape and going in gym class and doing push-ups and things like that. Well, I have to confess it'd been many decades since I'd done many push-ups. So I go in and I'm trying to do the push-ups. And if you've ever done push-ups, I'm doing this. And they said, no, 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 no. That's not how you do them. I said, that's the way I did them, you know, for all of my life. And they said, well, you did it wrong. Because if you do it like that, you're putting a lot of strain on your shoulder. I thought, well, it does kind of hurt my shoulder. And they said, you got to move your arms in like this and where it's doing triceps and stuff. I thought, I thought I knew how to do a push-up. I didn't even know how to do a push-up. And then I start doing them. 
And, you know, they say, let's do a few of them. And I find out, well, I can't do these push-ups like I've been doing them all my life. And he said, well, just go ahead and start on your knees. I said, well, that's just really kind of embarrassing. So, uh, but, you know, you, you do what you got to do. So anyway, it's all of that. And then it's just plain old hard uh, with just all of that exercise and heart beating and, and, and lungs burning and the sore muscles. I know some of you are getting depressed just thinking about it and hope your grandchildren don't give you one. Um, so so we, we got involved in it and we did it. And it was extremely satisfying. It was hard, but it was extremely satisfying. Dana and I ended up really pretty much after that six months, the best in, in the best shape, pretty much we have been in in our lives. We ended up kind of in the in, at, towards the end of that time going to Maine to um, Bar Harbor, Acadia National Parks. Went on a bunch of those trails. We like to hike anyway. My wife loves to hike. She she doesn't camp. She hikes. Want to go on a hike? Come back to a hot shower, clean bed. But goes on the hikes. So anyway, we we were going on hikes, and we ended up doing some of the hikes and kind of getting off of the trails and doing some some trails that we would never have even thought about doing. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, going down a, a trail where they say there's another trail down there, but to get to it, you've got to go through a, a, a boulder landslide that probably happened centuries ago with huge boulders and things. And we looked at one another and said, we can do that. So we ended up doing all of that, and again, it was extremely satisfying. It was a gift that I did not want, but I'm grateful that I did it. Well, what I have to share with you tonight, I don't have a CrossFit uh, 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 certificate or a CrossFit membership to give you, but I want to tell you in all honesty, as we get to talking about it, it may be initially as unwelcome. But if you'll receive it, I promise you, in the end, it will be satisfying. What I want us to look at are the demands of the Word of God and discipleship. The demands of the Word of God and discipleship. Look in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Very, very familiar words. John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said, If you continue in my word, then are you truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, God has called us, and I'll say it again, if you abide, if you continue, as one translation, I think King James may have, I can't remember which one's which, one is continue, the other one is, a, is abide, uh, it's the Greek word minnow, which means, it literally means to abide, to live in something, like a fish lives in the ocean, like a plant lives in the soil and grows, uh, that's how we are to be, we are to 
to have that living relationship with the Word of God. And it's real. It's not artificial. It's not pretend. It is really putting our roots down of our heart and our mind and our life and our soul into the Word of God. And, and from that drawing life, all the stuff that Jeanette was singing about the blessed assurance and Jesus is mine and, and understanding all of those things, it takes living in the Word of God. Those are ideas, kind of like a plant. You throw the seed out there, but, you know, it's, it's seed and there's soil, but for, for, for that seed to bear fruit, it's got to crack open. It's got to get down into that and put down roots and things to happen. And it's like that with the Word of God. It, and, and it's more than just coming to church, and we'll get into that in just a moment. It is, it is again, putting your roots down and abiding and living in who God is. And when that happens, there's awesome things that happen in our lives. Jeremiah 15, 13 says, Jeremiah says, Your words were found, and I did eat them. And they became for me the joy, the rejoicing of my heart, for I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. But there's some problems that we have with that. There are three that, uh, that I have written down. The first one is just uh, what, I've, what I've called the neglected word. And there are times that, that we neglect the word of God. Um, you know, as I look around, probably almost everybody here has it but how much, how much do we really feed on the Word of God? Uh, I, I hope and pray, and I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd, so y'all are probably people, I hope and pray, that, that don't neglect it. That don't just take your Bible home on you know, Sunday and, and leave it there and then pick it up again on Wednesday. I'm sure y'all are not that crowd. Y'all are, y'all are a crowd that does more to it. But the second problem may be somewhat there, and that is the undigested word. And that is where we read it, we check it off, we know, okay, I did that, I did what I was supposed to do, but don't necessarily get anything out of it. Now, I, I can tell you for years and years, so I got saved when I was 21 years old, and read my Bible. I don't even remember how I read it at the beginning. It seems like I had an open Bible, maybe a Ryrie study Bible, and there was a thing at the end, how to read through your Bible in a year. There was different things, and so I was doing all that. Somewhere along the way, I don't even remember what decade it was, but uh, probably sometime in the 80s, I think, uh, there was a thing called the one-year Bible that came out. Look at here. You know, you've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. You read through Psalms twice in a year. You read through Proverbs, and I bought one of those and loved it and got in it and thoroughly enjoyed that. But I found out after a while, I don't know when, probably a couple of two, three, four years. I don't, I don't remember exactly when. But I, I, I found out that I had a problem in reading the one-year Bible uh, in that I, the problem was I, was I was always in a hurry because I was going somewhere. I said, where were you going? 
I was going to the end. <laughs> I got to get to the end. I've got, got an Old Testament, I've got a New Testament passage, and I've got a Psalm, and I've got a proverb to read. And so after a while, the goal got to be that I'm, I, I've got to read it all today. And I realized I'm reading it, but I'm not getting that much out of it. I was growing in knowledge of what the Bible said, but I was not growing in my knowledge of who God is. And I, I have, I've had to slow that down. Now, you do it however you want to, but, um, you know, I, I, for, for me now, I, I read it slowly, and I'm pretty much going to read either the, the Old Testament, maybe a psalm, or the New Testament and a psalm, my, my goal in reading the Bible is not to get to the end. My goal is to hear from God every day. My goal is I read the Word. I want to hear from God, and when I finish, I want to be able to get up and to tell somebody, this is what God said to me from His Word today. <clears throat> but the third problem is this, and it, I'm not sure if it's even the best phrase for it or not, but it's all I could come up with. It is the predigested word. I'll say it one more time. The predigested word. You said that sounds gross. Well, um, the way that came about is that thought. A few days back, I was reading something by in in my Bible, and I came across uh, something. I thought I don't understand what's going on here. And so I, had, I have a Bible commentary on my computer, and this one uh, happened to be by Warren Wiersbe. He's written a lot of B books. He's a great Christian author. And so I sat there, and I started reading the commentary, and I read four or five minutes in that commentary uh, and, and kind of got my question answered and then thought, okay, you know, I, I've spent quite a bit of time reading uh, the Word this morning, and then I, I realized this, that I had received some facts, but I had not been fed. And there's a big difference. Sometimes we can digest, we can read what others have already digested themselves. And I'm not saying there's not value in that, but I'm saying it's, it's the difference between a snack and a meal. And you remember telling your kids or grandkids or whatever, ah, don't eat that, it's going to ruin your supper. Uh, sometimes with some of the things that are there, now don't hear me, I'm not saying anything bad, I'm just saying it's not enough. That there are things out there like open windows and all kinds of other stuff, devotional books that are, are, are great. They, they are wonderful, but they're not enough. It's almost kind of like eating something. I don't, I don't know exactly how it is with, with, with physical food, but I know with spiritual food, it's not enough to, to feed on what God gives other people. Whether it's Steve Gaines or whether it was Dr. Rogers, it doesn't matter who it is. Good to receive what they give, but we all need more. You need to chew on 
the Word of God. Somebody has said this. A person may see, hear, or read whatever he pleases, but he will know very little beyond that which he has thought over and made the property of his own mind. We should treasure most those moments that are employed in developing our own thoughts rather than in merely acquiring those of others. Knowledge acquired by labor, getting in there, reading, studying, thinking, what does this mean? Crying out to God. Knowledge acquired by labor becomes a possession, a property entirely our own. But if to avoid the trouble of a search, we avail ourselves of the superior information of someone else, such knowledge will not likely remain with us, for we have borrowed it and not bought it. I have a master's of uh, divinity from across the street here somewhere. Turned around here. I have a uh, doctor of ministry in biblical counseling from Southern Seminary. Both of those degrees uh, took a lot of work and many years to earn. Uh, but if you were to ask me, Bill, you got a choice. You can either have what you learned in those two schools of higher education, or you can have what God has taught you in his word as you have read and sat at his feet day by day, week after week, week after week, month after month. Which would you take? <laughs> well, that's a no-brainer question. I would take what God has taught me through his word in a heartbeat. I'm grateful for the other things, for my education and what I've learned. But what has changed my heart, what has fed my soul, what has lifted my spirit, what has changed my way of thinking is what God has said to me in a personal way from his word on a daily basis. Now, Dr. Rogers, I think, gave just about the golden rule of Bible study in these um, six or seven things I think that I have here. And I want to encourage you, if you're going to write anything down that I've said tonight, please write this down. Even if you weren't planning on it. Even if you're not sure yet, this is worth it. If you've got your, computer, if you've got your phone, take it out and put it under notes. And if you don't do it, find somebody who did. So it's, it's that good. This is what Dr. Rogers, this is a little process that he, that he said. I'll, I'll say it a couple of times, and then we'll go back through it. How do, you, how do you study the Bible? You read it through, think it clear. I'm going to say it again. Write it down. Pray it in. Live it out and pass it on. Read it through. I'll stop there for just a minute. My, my two questions when I do that are always, what did God say and what did God say to me? Okay, Lord, what are you, what are you saying here? And God, what are you saying to me? To read it through, and that takes time. 
That's, that's not going to happen just over a bowl of cornflakes, okay? I'm grateful for your bowl of cornflakes, but it, it takes more than that. Um, think it clear. That means you've got to think about what you're reading. It's not enough just say, okay, I'm reading my one-year Bible or I'm reading my chronological Bible or whatever it is, and, and I've got this and this is what I'm, I'm trying to get through. It is, it is thinking about what all is going on. What did this mean to these people? What was God trying to communicate to them? Um, and, and again, it, it takes focus. You know, turning the TV off, turning, you know, the weather off, turning ESPN, Fox News, whatever you got on, turning it off, and being in a place to where you can actually think about what is going on. Number three, write it down. You say, surely you jest. I don't think Dr. Rogers was jesting, you know. Now, I, I will tell you what, what I have to do, and again, I use my computer, but you do it on a pencil, paper, ink, whatever you want to do. Um, as I'm reading something, all of a sudden something will, I, I will see something. This morning, I'm reading whatever it was in Luke, Luke 22, something or another, uh, about Pilate from the one-year Bible. Pilate was trying, seemingly, not to uh, uh, turned uh, to he was trying to let Jesus go, and so and then there was all this some stuff at the crucifixion after that. But I was drawn to this thing about Pilate. I was just the and I believe it's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will speak to you if you will give Him the opportunity. So I'm just kind of being drawn, and so I started writing some stuff about Pilate was trying to let him go, but he couldn't. And we need not to give in to peer pressure. And I'm writing just, you know, thoughts. I'm, I'm not going anywhere with it. I'm just kind of sitting here, you know, thoughts, Lord, trying to help me see what all is going on. And then all of a sudden, the thought just comes, well, how do we do that? How do we live that? And I said, we have to live that every day to, to take a stand. But I thought, well, how do we do that? And I think it is a moment-by-moment -moment thing. We have to live every moment of every day so that when that test come, we can be who God wants us to be. And then the thought came to mind, the best way to be in the will of God tomorrow is to be in the will of God today. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but all of that fed my soul. So I can tell you, this is what God said to me, but all of that came from writing it down. I don't write it down because I'm smart. I write it down because I'm not smart enough just to sit there and read something and just go, hmm, for five or 10 or 15 minutes, my mind wanders. Uh, so I have to work at it. I have to be focused and I find out the best way for me to do it is to actually to write some things down, but Dr. Rogers said it before I did, so it's got to be right. Number four, pray it in. That means that, you know, it's there, and so we are spending time after we pray, uh, I mean, after we've been in the Word to say, Lord, this is what I've read today, so God, help me with this. And some of you are going, Bill, this is, this is, this sounds like CrossFit, <laughs> This sounds like a lot of work. This sounds hard. 
and it is. It, it, it really is. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm saying it may be that gift that you, don't, that you want. Shortcuts don't work out in the long run. They really don't. We have to get in there and, and, and to work at that. Uh, pray it in. Live it out. Doesn't do us any good just to write, write about it and see it and read it down, all that kind of stuff, but we have to, to live it out. And then last of all, this was Dr. Rogers, pass it on. Tell somebody else what God has told you. I've got probably 15 or 20 guys that own a, I've got my discipleship group, and there's probably 15 or so guys that as I get a, what I feel like, okay, this is an encouraging word that I will send out probably a couple of times a week. Just saying, hey, this is what I read this morning. I don't spend any time over it. I mean, again, it's, got, it's probably got some grammar mistakes and whatever in there, but just saying, hey, this is what God said to me this morning. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. You're going, oh, I bet it's going to be a loaded question. I don't know if I'm going to answer it, but just if you don't, raise your hand, at least in your heart. How many of you, if you go to eat at a brand new restaurant, you've never heard about it, maybe somebody told you something about it somewhere, but, you know, it's, it's brand new, it's open, and you eat, and it is a good place to eat. I mean, it rang the bell. How many of you are going to tell somebody fairly soon, hey, let me tell you where I ate last night. How many of us are going to do that? Okay, some of you didn't raise your hand because you think you're going to ask me something else. I'm all for that. I'm with you. Boy, great food. Let's share the news. Why would we do that with physical food and not do that with the bread of life? But in order to share, you, you, you got to have something to share. And, and it's more than just, I read a verse. Hey, I read a verse this morning. Okay, that's, that's great. But, you know, tell me about it. What did God say from this? Cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. He'll never suffer the righteous to be moved. That's an awesome verse. Well, what did God say to you from that verse? What did God impress upon you? That, as Steve often says, the, 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 the Lord is a talker. He will speak if we will give him time. So there's work there, but it goes on. We're talking about discipleship. Jesus said, if you continue, if you abide in my word, then are you truly disciples of mine and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I think many times we think of discipleship in, as in more of a religious type of connotation, you know, that Jesus had 12 disciples and you know, our vision frame, love God, love people, share Jesus, and make disciples. We, we see it like that, and, and we miss the relational part of that. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Mark 3, 14 talks about the, the relational aspect of that. And it says that he, that's Jesus, appointed 12 so that, they would be with 
him. And that he would send them out to preach. We get so focused on the church and the preaching and, and the sending out that we miss the essence of it all, that, that, that discipleship is all about the, you know, the, the beginning point of it all, or, or maybe the essence of it all is being with Jesus. And that's where the whole thing in you know, John, that if you continue in my word, if you keep listening to me, if you keep paying attention to me, you know, if you keep hanging on the words and saying, okay, okay, I'm going to walk that out. I'm going to live that out. I'm going to, to do what you want me to do and be who you want me to be. He said, if you abide, if you continue, like a plant lives in the ocean, living in the word, not just to do a Bible study type thing, but so that you can hear from Jesus so that you can live with him, so you can experience him. Then he says, then are you truly disciples of mine? And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That is the very first essence of discipleship. Now, we know the other stuff that goes with it. Uh, in, in our discipleship process here at the church, we have a year-long process. We've got a 16-week We've got a six-week thing that we're starting for brand-new believers. Uh, would love to come in and share that with your life group sometime. If you would give me three or four minutes, I can make it real quick. Uh, that we're trying to help new believers to the church, I mean, new believers to Christ, uh, have somebody come along and really connect with them. But um, totally got off of that. What was I talking about? Um, the, oh, oh, the, in, in the, 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 the one-year process, uh, I, I've written a book called Discipleship Then and Now. First chapter uh, is about this, got to continue in the Word. There are other things there that we know. Uh, Luke 14, 26, if, uh, Jesus said, If any man come to me, hate not his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Of course, he's not talking about hate. He's just talking about in comparison, that we have so much devotion to him that, uh, you know, that, that, that he is just all in all. Uh, the next one is, uh, by this will all men know uh, that you are my disciples and that you have love one for another. Uh, the next one in there is from John, by this is my father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. But all of those things, the, you know, the doing and the witnessing and praying and living a holy life and loving your enemies and all of that, the only way that happens is as we are doing this first thing and living in his word to where it's growing. If not, it's just, it's like taking a plant and just kind of putting it on concrete and maybe just a little bit of sprinkling of, of dirt there. Maybe there's enough there to keep it from dying, but it's not bearing fruit and just some, you know, gorgeous, awesome looking plant or, or tree that is bearing fruit. And that's where a lot of the church is. You know, I mean, we're, 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 we're alive, we're surviving, but I don't know if we're thriving. And what it takes is living in the Word of God. And I know we've all got things to do, but it's investing the time that is necessary. 
when I was, um, uh, right after I finished my uh, doctorate from Southern Seminary, my oldest son, Jonathan, was in law school. He was living with us. And I can remember one day after breakfast, I told him, I just, I was feeling good about myself. I just finished my degree. And I said, you know, son, and my son, the CrossFit guy, said, you know, I think now that I've finished my degree, I, I've got time to start exercising some. He just looked at me and smiled. Said, I, I, I think so, Dad. He said, uh, and I could tell his wheels were turning. He said, you know, you, you've taught me all my life that you make time for the things that are important to you. He said, I, I, I don't know what, whether the issue was you didn't have, you know, 20 or 25 minutes uh, a few times a week to get a little exercise or whether it just wasn't that important to you. And I went, oh, oh. <laughs> those are my own words coming back. You have time to do this. You have time to get in the word of God to invest that time. Now, it may be a little strange, maybe a little weird, going, okay, how do you do this? First, the thing, and then maybe the only thing I tell you is just pray and ask God. Say, Lord, would you speak to me from your word? So, God, I know it's here, black and white, red letters, whatever it is. So, God, I am asking you to speak to me today. Uh, that is the essence. The second part of the whole discipleship is living as he lived, and that's all the stuff, and, you know, that's where it, um, that's, that's where we can't do that unless we are, are uh, living in him and listening to him. Look at Matthew 28 real quick, and we'll be through. Matthew 28, familiar words, uh, verses 19 through 20, 18. All authority, but, but let me read this and say just a couple of things, and we'll be through. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or to obey all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You read that, and I think any of us, it doesn't take, you don't have to be a systematic theologian to realize he's saying, I am to make disciples, and I'm to teach them a bunch of stuff, including all that he's commanded me, which includes the phrase, make disciples. In other words, you are to do what our, one of the measures that we have under make disciples, and that is to multiply disciple makers. You're to make disciples who are to make other disciples who are to make others. You thought, I thought I was just supposed to come to church. <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought I was supposed to listen to Brother Stephen take notes and go to life group. That's all great, awesome, and wonderful. Uh, but this is a black and white thing that it's just there. How is that going to happen? It's going to happen as you grow 
It's going to happen as you get in the Word, as you take God's Word to heart, as you listen to Him. In order to make disciples, you have to be disciples. We'd love to help in that. Again, we have life, we have discipleship groups in all of our, I won't say in all of our life groups, but in most of them. But you can see me, you can call me at church, uh, just Bellevue Baptist Church. I want to speak to Bill Street about discipleship. The Great Commission is the marching orders of the church. The essence of the Great Commission is to make disciples. And we're to teach them and see people one to Christ, see them baptized and growing. I heard a man make a statement one time. I don't know if it's true or not, but I thought it's worth thinking about. He said, can you hear, can you, will you hear, well done, good and faithful servant from Jesus if you have ignored or neglected the imperative of the Great Commission. Wow. That's a heavy statement. And I don't know the answer. But I don't know. I don't want to find out. Lord, I, I think I know what that means. So uh, just help me to with it. Help me with it. But the, the essence of discipleship in this last thing, and I'm through. Do you remember the first focus of discipleship? Jesus called 12 to be with him. And as he gives us this command to go and make other disciples, Jesus says, as you do that, I am with you. All the stuff about getting in the Word and all this stuff that I'm talking about discipleship it's all, it's all about Jesus. It's not about church programs. It's not about all of this other stuff. It's not about trying to get you to check the boxes. It's all about knowing, loving, and living in Jesus. So I encourage you, plead with you. Hear what he said. Get in the Word. Boy, tomorrow morning, spend some time. You have to get up a few minutes early. Get a piece of paper, get your pad, notebook, however you do it. Say, okay, Lord, I'm going to read it through, think it clear, write it down, pray it in, live it out, and pass it on. All out of a relationship with you. And, and Lord, help me to figure out that discipleship stuff too.